0: All right. Mark chapter two. This is, I think, hour number eight on this. We've done seven parts. I realized just a few minutes ago that I have not uploaded part seven to the Church One app. I don't know why, but I'll do that this evening. But this is um, hour eight on on our work on Mark chapter two, verse 26. So let's do this for review just to make it quick. All right. Summarize the problem. What's the problem in Mark chapter 2, verse 26? We know that there are at least two possible issues. The first one is the one we're not working on. What's the first one in Mark chapter 2, verse 26? What's the first possible problem or issue? Mark chapter 2. Okay, we have an issue with David, right? Mark chapter 2. Okay, verse 26, how he went, speaking of David, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful. So the issue is, did David actually break, break biblical law and what he did? And if he did so, why is Jesus pointing to that? Because it seems very like, much like situational ethics, like, hey, if he could break the law, we can break the law. So we, that, that is at least something that has to be addressed and tried to be figured out. However, that's not our primary focus, is it? Our primary focus is that David did what he did in the days of Abiathar, right? Or Abiathar, or Abiathar, however the way you want to pronounce it, because I've heard it so many different ways this week, okay? But Abiathor is the way we're going to go with it. Um, the issue is, wait a minute when you look at the scripture that's being referenced there, which is 1 Samuel 21, it's not a Abiathar, is it? It's Himelech, who happens to be the father of abiathor. So we're like, what is going on? Now, we may not think this is a big deal. We may not think it's a big issue. But it really becomes a big issue, especially since Bart Ehrman, very well-known Bible skeptic and Bible critic, says that this is the verse that basically did what? Cause them to reject the trustworthiness of the New Testament and ultimately renounce Christianity. All right, so, so that that's a pretty big deal. Now I'm I'm not. You can argue going well. I don't know why. I mean, at least even from my perspective, of all the things to cause me to question Christianity, this would be probably number one hundred and seventy-five. Right, because there's about a million. There's, in fact, it would be million and one because there's probably a million other things I could come up with. Going, I have problems with that. I don't understand that. I don't get that. I don't. I so it's just, but. It, it's in, it really doesn't matter what we think about the issue. The issue is there's a problem here in the verse because this did not happen in the days of Abiathar as far as him being high priest. So how do we understand it? Okay, so we have spent. I spent three plus hours reviewing sermons and what did we discover is the typical way churches approach it? They ignore it or go so far as to hide it. Because when they make a reference back to 1 Samuel, they just refer to the person as the high priest and don't even give the name Ahimelech because they don't want anyone to realize there's a problem. That is deceptive. That is messed up. Or what we've seen, they either ignore it or briefly go, well, some people think there's a problem. Here's a solution. Let's move on. It's like, hey, some people think there's a problem. Here's a solution. Butterfly! So that you will just go focus on something else. Well, that... That doesn't prepare or equip anyone to deal with the actual problem. Agreed? So, we have decided that we're going to figure this out. We're going to come up with a solution here in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and we've been working on it. So, how, what are all the possible solutions that we have come up with so far? What is number one? Jesus made a mistake, and we know that would create major problems, Right? In fact, if we came to that conclusion, you could see why one would renounce Christianity. Because what would that call into question? His deity would be called into question. All right? Number two, Mark made a mistake. Now, why would that be a problem? Well, if I can't trust Mark, then can I trust anything in the New Testament? So you see why this would be a problem. All right? but, but these are solutions that people have offered. Jesus made a mistake. Mark's made a mistake. What's a third? Okay, so this, so this is how this one worked out. Remember, we went there was a lot of passages we looked at. Does, do you have all the references to how we put this together? Do you have all the references down? Because Bobby started it by having a look at something in First Samuel. I think it was chapter twenty-two. First uh, Samuel twenty two eleven, which mentions kind of like the household of Ahimelech, our priest. And so Bobby's thinking was, wait a minute, if the whole household was a priest, and Abiathar is his son, then his son is a priest. And, and that sounds good, but I decided, well, let's challenge, let's question this. So we tried to figure out, do we have any record of when, he, when Abiathar becomes a priest? And we couldn't really find anything. In fact, when we came to chapter, was it 26? 1 Samuel 26? 23, uh, or 23. He meets David and brings the Ephod, and he's called a priest. Then. So in 1 Samuel 23, Abiathor is already referred to as a priest. So that tells me, well, there's a high there's a very good possibility, if not high probability, that in 1 Samuel 21, Abiathor would have been at least at a minimum a priest. So then, the only, so if you think about it, if you think about it from that perspective, then what is the real issue in, first, in uh, Mark chapter 2? If, if, because we can clearly prove that, he, there, I mean, we, it's very likely he was a priest at the time of 1 Samuel 21. So if you look at Mark 2, what is the real problem? It's not his name. It's just one word. Hi. Right? Because what is Mark 2? Remember, this is very important. What did Mark 2 not say? Like, it's very important to know what Mark 2 doesn't say. Doesn't say if he talked to Abiath, Abiathar. It doesn't say that uh, he, that Abiathar is the one who gave him the bread. It doesn't say anything. It just says that this occurred during the days of Abiathar, the high priest. So the issue really is the word high. Everyone, everyone makes the issue that this occurred how does Mark 2, 26, in the times of Abiathor or in the days of right everyone focuses on that word in the days of or the or the word days that's where everyone focuses to me the issue is the word high because if he's not the high priest there's not even if you remove the word high there is there one problem with first Samuel or uh, Mark two twenty six. no zero so real, So this one, the reason we like, now we didn't say this answers all the problem. I want to make it very clear. Did we say this solution fixes everything? No. What we said is, well, this gets us kind of close. We know that Abiathor was alive at the time of 1 Samuel 21. We know he was the son of Ahimelech, which seems to appear that he was clearly a priest and probably was a priest at that time. And Mark 2 doesn't say that David spoke to Abiathar or that Abiathar gave him the bread. So therefore, we this doesn't fix everything, but it gets us relatively close. Right. Everyone agree? Did you have something? Well, our pre- pretty... Right. He was going to move to that position relatively quick. Agreed. I, I, think, I, think, we, I think we feel that we can, we can be somewhat assertive of, of that perspective, okay? So this, this gets us close. So, how, so first one, Jesus made a mistake. Second one, Mark made a mistake. Well, the third one is that we can at least say that it happened during the days of Abiathor because he was alive, that Abiathor was a priest, and Mark 2 doesn't say that David interacted with Abiathar, right? So so at least that's that one, okay? What was, what was the fourth solution? All right, Jesus refers to Abiathar simply by offering him a title that he became known for, like his most honorable title, and that's all he was saying. Now, it sounds good, but... There's a lot of speculation there, right? And, and and I guess the reason this one makes me nervous is because I'm trying to say that Jesus didn't really care that much about being accurate. And I don't like that, right? That that just makes me feel like he's God. I mean, he knows that Abiathar was not the high priest at that time. So I, that one just makes me like, well, you know, Jesus just used this you know, the highest uh, title of uh, honor because he just was being nice. I... That, that one just, this one just bothers me. A lot of people like it. It just bothers me because I'm just like, man, well, then what else was he not completely accurate about, you know? And I, I just, that one bothers me. All right. Did we have another one? Okay, yeah, there's a lot to this one. Let's try to summarize this last possible solution, because this is the one we ended on. It goes something like this. Mark was the source for Matthew and Luke. When we look at Matthew and Luke, what is missing? That don't even mention the word of Bithar. Himalek, that don't mention anything. Now, if Mark is the source, and Mark had it in his original, you would think that Matthew and Luke would have carried that over. But they did not. So the argument goes, it wasn't in the original. So therefore, this phrase was added somewhere in and uh, copying, right, and the copying of the manuscripts, it was introduced at a later time because if it would have been in the earliest manuscript, clearly Matthew and Luke would have used it. Now, what we have to somehow support this is it appears that we have very few but early manuscripts that doesn't appear to have this in it. Later manuscripts do. Now, this sometimes makes people nervous But let's remind ourselves when we speak of inspiration of Scripture, what do we reference when we speak of the inspiration of Scripture? The original manuscripts. The copies are not inspired, they are copies. What part of the copies can we say are inspired? That which is true to the original. The problem is we don't have the original. So how do we determine pretty much what is a possible original reading? Is we take all of the combined manuscripts and we try to compare, well, this was used here, this was used here, and then feel that we can reach a certain level of certainty about what was said. It shouldn't bother us that we find manuscripts that differ What It should in some ways bring us great comfort because the more manuscripts, yes, we may have more conflict, but the more manuscripts gives us the ability to see maybe where something was original and where something was entered in at a later time. Does that make sense? All right. Any questions about that one? Now, I will read just a little bit about this one again, just so that we're all on the same page, and then we'll try to introduce... Some others, okay? And they do get, they get more complicated as we move forward. These uh, suggestions, these solutions that's been offered throughout church history, let me just say, they get more convoluted. So what I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try my best, is I'm going to only read as much as required for us to get it. I'm not going to try to take apart every detail of every issue because it, 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 I mean, because after a while you'll be like, I don't even understand anymore. When you feel like you've grasped the issue, if you don't, raise your hand and go, I don't get this. I don't, can you explain this? And some of these, I'm just going to be honest with you, some of them I'm looking at going, why isn't the issue the word high? Right? If a biathar. Is, not the, is just referred to as a priest, there's not one issue in this text. But everyone's like, no, you got to focus on in the times of, in the ti-. that's where the issue is. I am perplexed by why everyone focuses on on the t- in the times of, because Abiathar would have been alive and there's a high probability he would have been a priest. So the only issue is we have one Greek word translated high, that's the issue. That's the issue. Uh, and it's like, But everybody wants to focus on the phrase, and you'll see how this plays out, all right? So I'm using an article that was recently published in a theological journal, and we'll go through these. All right, here we go. We're going to evaluate the various aspects of the problem. I'm just going to read through this quickly. Some of this is review, all right? Despite the fact that there are almost as many opinions about this story as there are exegetes, that's always discouraging, right? Because what what would we hope? That there's one or two options, not that every single person, in fact, that, that there's more solutions than there are people trying to take the passage apart. That's insane, right? A review of the literature reveals that interpreters tend to group the problems associated with this passage into three categories. First, we will examine the possibility that the problem occurred in the transmission of the content of the say. We will evaluate evidence and arguments for this position. Second, we will turn to the possibility that the issue is related to how the phrase should be translated from the original language, noting various perspectives on how this could have happened. Third, we will consider the idea that the problem in the source text being referenced by Mark and how this could have influenced their narration of the episode. Now, this is important they're going to argue that Mark may have been looking at a different source. So think about it. Matthew and Luke using Mark as a source, and this is going to argue that Mark was looking at a different source. Now, this is where it gets complicated. If Mark's looking at a different source, and he brings it into his gospel, then why did Matthew and Luke ignore Mark on this particular part? And what was the source Mark was looking at? Well, some are going to argue that Mark probably was looking at an Aramaic manuscript because that the original would have been in Aramaic. Now, this is a common argument used a lot of times with textual issues. And we'll get into this and see how this works. It really is of no value unless we have what? The Aramaic, like if you say there's an Aramaic manuscript we got to see it. But they're going to argue, well, if you took this phrase and you were to translate it in Aramaic, this is the way it would be translated. Well, you're assuming that's how it was. Maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong, but we're really arguing from the position of what? No actual documentation. We'll see if that's where they're going to go, but I can almost guarantee you that's the way it goes. And the reason I know it goes that way is a lot of times, as someone who attended, obviously, a Catholic university, I, I would hear sometimes certain arguments that, well, in the Aramaic, it would read this way. And I'm like, well, but it, we don't have the Aramaic. Uh, not, not well, there's probably something somewhere in Aramaic, but most of the manuscripts we have are Greek and Hebrew, but for the Old Testament, Greek for the New. So, uh, in most cases, the, what they point to is the possible Aramaic original we don't have. Well, you're just assuming, well, if it was in Aramaic, and this is how it would have been translated. Well, I, I need to see something, agreed? All right? But, I, I mean, I'm always willing to listen to any perspective, but I, I need something, if that makes sense. All right, so here we go. So the first one is the problem of transmission. This is what we worked on the uh, Sunday evening. All right? Conceptualizing the issue as a problem of textual transmission is the most common position among modern interpreters. Now, I do find this funny, and here's the reason why. When it comes to modern interpreters, this is the common way. But if you talk to the average person sitting in the pew, they will immediately go, well, it could be this. And you're like, well, so you're, you're coming up with a solution that no uh, modern interpreters use. And a lot of times it's because the person in the pew has no idea what everyone else is doing with the text. I think that's why we always have to be careful to know what we know and acknowledge what we don't know so that we say something that indicates how much we don't know. Okay? I think, that, I think that's very important because I think we have to be careful. Sometimes, like, well, this solution works, and you're like, according to whom? Everyone abandoned that solution? 65 years ago. So why are you holding on to that one? Okay, but here we go. So, so according to this, what, what is the way most people, modern interpreters look at it? That it's a problem of what? Textual transmission. What do we mean by textual transmission? Yeah, remember how it works. The original... All right, the original, let's say I'm, I'm holding the original manuscript in this notebook. This, we believe, is inspired from God. God, through the work of the Holy Spirit on the, the uh, New Testament writers, that's the word of God. We believe that's perfect, that's inspired, that's infallible, right? Someone has this notebook, right? And they look over and they see Austin, and they're like, well, Austin, Austin goes to this church, and this church needs this, right? So what am I going to do? Notebook. Whatever writing utensil they had, you know it had to be pencil because if it was pen, it wouldn't be, you know, considered sacred, right? So then they took their writing utensil and they did what? Copied it. Now, have you ever copied anything? I mean, I just challenge anyone, get a book and just start trying to copy it. And guess what you're going to be doing time and time again? You're either going to be going back and erasing it, and when you're all said and done, you may not even realize that you made a mistake. Now, what are some of the common mistakes in transmission? What do you think would be some of the common uh, problems in transmission? Word order. Have you ever been copying something You get the words out of order? Second, spelling, right? I mean, at least for me, spelling, right? Oh, leave words out? And is it possible that you could add a word? I think those are I think you would say that those are common ones. I mean, I mean anybody can test it themselves, right? Anybody can test it. You've all seen that game played, right, where you you tell one person something and they tell another person and by the time it gets to the end, it's no longer what is it called? Telephone. By the time it gets to the end, it's not the same. Now, that relies on or the passing on of oral tradition. But in writing, I think the same thing. Hey, copy this. And then, hey, copy this. I bet you when we get to the end, it would not. I think there would be some issue somewhere. may not be anything major, but it would be an issue. So when we say there's a problem in transmission, we're saying that there's a problem in, from the original to what was copied. And the, and the argument goes, and at least part of the argument, Matthew and Luke was using Mark as a source, they don't include it, so it couldn't have been in the original. So if it wasn't in the original, it was introduced later, so the problem would be a problem of transmission. Does that make sense? Yes? Okay. A copyist. Huh. Yeah. Someone, whoever copied it messed it up. Right? Now, um, and I'll just kind of go through this qu- quickly. This, now, and remember, we looked all of this up to verify that Matthew and Luke used Mark as a source. We, we, we did a lot of our fact checking to, to establish if all of this would work. So they say, that is, while some express it in stronger language than others, the contention is that an error on the part of Mark, on the part of Mark's source, or on the part of a scribe who copied the text. Or on the part of Jesus himself. These are all the people who say somebody got something wrong. Okay, we talked about this. Most frequently this is explained as a memory lapse by Mark who simply inherited an oral tradition that he inaccurately reproduced. So this one claims Mark got it from an oral tradition and he wrote it down. But this would claim that he got it wrong where? In the original. Which, well, we, it, well that would cause major issues. But the major thing we have is why would Mark, Matthew, and Luke have copied it? or at least made a reference to it. That, that's the argue. Um, indeed, if one evaluates each of, each of these possibilities, individually, the idea that Mark's source would have erred in communicating in, in accuracy is unlikely, given the fact that such accounts of Jesus' words and actions were circulated orally and repeated for decades before Mark ever wrote the Gospel. And if the mistake or error was made, it would not have persisted as long. So they would say, if, if the mistake showed up in the original, you think someone would have corrected it relatively quick. I think that makes sense that an early copyist corrupted the text is not impossible, but the manuscript evidence is inconclusive on this point. It is more commonly argued that since both Matthew and Luke almost certainly used Mark as a source and do not have the phrase and the times of Abiathar and their accounts or I'm sorry, uh, Matthew and Luke. Using Mark as a source, they do not have the phrase in their accounts. It is plausible that they were aware that the phrase was original and decided to omit it, rather than they have, rather than that they knew an early copy of Mark did not have the phrase, thus meaning the scribe would have added it at the, the late first century. So either you have to go with Matthew and Luke knew, wait a minute, that's wrong. Mark got it wrong, leave it out. They think it's probably more plausible that it wasn't there, so they didn't have to address it. And then a later time, a copyist ends up including the phrase, for whatever reason, we may not know why, but did so. (laughs) who, Who knows, right? I mean, we can go a lot of directions with that, all right? Okay, um, recently, others has uh, mounted perhaps the most detailed argument for this idea that the phrase was unoriginal and represents scribal corruption. Well, it has been shown that early church fathers were aware of the problem in the early copies of Mark. So some of the church fathers, early church fathers was like, uh, we got a problem here. We, we, there's There's an issue here. But they're looking at early copies of Mark. They're not looking at the original. However... Other church fathers appear not to be, have been aware of the problem. He adds as well that when manuscript or translations do appear without the phrase, even though they are fewer, they're still historically early and geographically widespread, which leads him to conclude that the phrase was a mistake. So when you go to the early manuscripts, we don't seem to have it, at least in some, but later on it shows up. Okay, These are all doc there's all footnotes for all of this and we could go through all of them. All right. Uh, that Je- so so that's, that's that one. That's kind of where we stop. Then they go on to say this, that Jesus was an error and his citation of scripture has been rather difficult for most interpreters to accept given that even highly skeptical scholars would grant that we can know with a good degree of historical certainty that Jesus seemed to be a knowledgeable teacher, well-versed in Hebrew scripture. So in other words, even someone who's a skeptic would typically say, we we think Jesus knew what he was talking about. So how could he have gotten this so wrong? So they seem that even skeptics would kind of go, this would be out of character with Jesus. Like if he's going to make a mistake here, that, that what should have occurred. Lots of mistakes. Does that kind of make sense? Does everyone kind of agree with that? All right. At least one person. All right. In and, and every other place in the four gospel where Jesus cites scripture, he does, so with a, he does so with a command of the text that would indicate an intimate knowledge not only of the entire Old Testament narrative, but of the details of numerous individual context which he would have not only been able to read, but also recite from memory. In other words, when you look at the way Jesus typically handles the Old Testament text, he seems to have a command of it. He seems to know it. He seems to have it memorized. So why in the world in Mark 2 would he be like, Hey, it was in the times of Abiathar. I mean, he he wasn't high priest yet. And, you know, like it just seems that it would be odd that he would get it that wrong. At least this is the argument. One of the few scholars to attempt to make the case that Jesus erred who contends that Jesus embarrasses himself in this exchange proceeding in the presence of those scriptural experts to mangle and distort the test of the story. So, now this one, now I want you to look at this. So this scholar claims Jesus embarrassed himself. Go, Go look at Mark 2 really quick. Look at Mark 2 26. All right? Jesus states the fact that this occurs during the times of Abiathor. Everybody see that? Now, what, if Jesus embarrasses himself here by getting this wrong, what should we look for after verse 26? Who is he talking to? And and the narrative here, what's going on? The Pharisees have a problem. He's responding to the Pharisees. Do the Pharisees know the Old Testament? So, if Jesus messes up, what should we expect to happen? The Pharisees should be like, What are you talking about, right? Look and tell me if the Pharisees say anything. Verse 27. What happens in 27? Continues to tell them what happens at the end when after Jesus tells them he's... That we have no record of them going, man, you don't know what you're talking about. You have no clue. Now, some could go for a grand conspiracy that they did say that, but everyone left that out. Well, if there was a big conflict after that, come on, Mark, Matthew, or Luke, somebody would have had to mention it. All right. So I just think I have a hard time going Jesus completely embarrassed himself and the Pharisees. Now, you think then Jesus would have been able to be discredited early on as a really bad teacher and not knowing the Old Testament. Does that make sense? Um this this scholar suggests that any honest and rigorous historian is required to come to the conclusion that historical Jesus was a scriptural well, was scripturally ignorant. And not only ignorant, but completely inept debater who foolishly challenges scriptural experts to public contest, only to disqualify himself by botching the the reference. That that, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're like basically he's ignorant and he's he's foolish and he's he's that that does not work. Well, no, well, yeah, exactly, exactly. You would have to think he was making mistakes all the time, right? So, we, obviously, we reject that one, all right? So, what is the view we have right here? This is the view of transmission, and we think the best solution for this category is what? It wasn't in the original. A copyist messed up somewhere... We don't know which part... You could argue he messed up in including Abiathar, or you could argue he messed up in referring to him as a high priest. Wherever you want to put the mistake that it's on who the copyist. And how do we... Why do we have some confidence that it wasn't in the original? Matthew and Luke, who use Mark as a source, don't record it. And we do have some early manuscripts who don't have it in it. Right? That's the problem of transmission. Now... We move to the problem of translation. The problem of translation. Also frequent in the discussion of this issue is the suggestion that the phrase. in I look at go to look Mark two twenty six. I want to make sure you just have the phrase down. Mark two twenty six. Okay, in the days of Abiathor. Everybody see it? In the days of Abiathor. Now to me, I think the I think the problem is not the that so I don't understand why everyone thinks that's the issue. And the days of is not the issue. What's the issue? High priest, because he's not the high priest at the time. But he's a priest, we th- we think we can prove, and he clearly was alive. And he does become a high priest. So the issue is just why is he being referred to as a high priest in this narrative? All right, does that make sense? But they, they just focus really on the Greek phrase for, or when they put all the Greek words together for basically um, in the days of, right? In fact, let me, let's look at something. If you have the Blue Letter Bible app, this is a good time to open it. If you go to Mark two twenty six, it's in the days of Abiathor, the high priest. All right. If you look at the interlinear, the word in the days, that's one Greek word. In the days is one Greek word. And, it, and it's this Greek word. Strong's G, 1909, epi, epi. Epi. That's the Greek word. All right. Now, that, that, it's used 896 times. 196 on, 120 in, 159 upon, 41 unto, 41, to, oh, 41 times 2, and 330 times in miscellaneous ways. If you try to look at all the different ways it can be used, well, good luck trying to figure this out. All right? I don't know why they focus on that phrase, but in the days of, okay, but here's here's what they have. All right. Also frequent in the discussions of this issue is the suggestion that basically in the days of Abiathor is an example of a phrase that either has been poorly translated into English, which may not be able to express the varieties of temporal nuance possible when epi is combined with the genitive, all right, or has been poorly translated from the original Aramaic into the Greek. I told you the Aramaic was going to come into this, right? All right, so they're like, hey, there's something weird here, so let's do this, um, you can, if you, you can either look up all the different translations if you would like. I'm going to do this just so that it'll be easy for anyone listening online who wants to participate. Just type in Mark 226 and in, in any search bar. Look for where you get uh, Biblehub.com. It's the very first entry, and you get all the translations. All right? Now let's see, is there any questions here on how this is translated? We're going to go through every every translation. Everybody ready? New International Version. In the days of Abiathar. They go with the, the phrase, in the days of. New Living Translation. He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest. The New Living Translation is even more dogmatic. He, he went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest. That translation even creates a bigger problem. All right? Uh, ESV, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest. Berean study Bible, during the high priesthood of Abiathar, he entered the house of God. That's pretty, you know. Again, to me, it's the focus is on the high priest. I don't know why the in the days of is the problem. Okay, but all right. How he entered into the house of God in the days of Abiathar. King James, how he went into the house of God in the days of. In the days of seems almost all the English translations agree with that, right? In the time of, in the days of, it seems to be all of them seem to use that. Can everyone agree with that? All right. So there's not an issue there. And the only reason I point that out is if they're going to say there's a problem here, you think it would show up in, the transla- in, in different translations. Agreed? I would think so. All right. So, according to them, our p- uh, problems of translation are that the, the phrase, is that it was either poorly translated into English, which may not be able to express the varieties of temporal nuance, possibly when epi is combined with the genitive. Or has been poorly translated from the original Aramaic into the Greek. In Mark 2.26, it is clear that epi has a temporal nuance. And in most cases, can this temporal nuance can simply be expressed with the word when. Indicating that something took place in a very specific period associated with the surrounding words. Right? So, in other words, they say you could translate it, when Abiathar was high priest, David went into the house of God. All right? I don't, that, that seems to create, I, I don't know. I don't know if that really, I don't, we'll, we'll just play this out. They, they look up some, they give some references in Acts eleven twenty eight. 28, um, where this kind of concept takes place. However, this is certainly not always the case. Since in other cases, it can be a broad temporal marker carrying a more general connotation. They tell us to look at Mark 12.26. Someone look at Mark 12.26 and tell me what you discover. I'm not going to tell you. You tell me what you find that could possibly relate to this issue. 12.26 Do we have anything? We may have to look it up in the interlinear or a Greek New Testament. And as touching the dead, they that rise have not yet, have ye not read in the book of Moses how in the bush God spoken to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. I don't know where this phrase would appear here. I'm going to go look at this. Let's go to, I'm going to go to Gospel of Mark. I'm going to go to chapter 12. I'm going to look at verse 26. Do we even have the same Greek word? Let me see here. I'm looking for it. Epi. In. Do you see the word in? I I-N? In and, and Mark 12:26. Okay. Okay. What, what's the reference is? In what? What's the in referencing? How in the bush? All right, okay. Now, why would they point out that, that epi is used here? Well, here is their argument, or at least try to explain it. They say they say that th- that epi certainly it's not always the case that it's so sp- specific. In other cases, it can be a broad temporal marker carrying a more general connotation. They're like, the phrase can just be a broad, general connotation. In other words, somewhere around the time when Abiathar became high priest, David goes into the house of God. In other words, that epi can be, it can be very specific, right? Or it can be very broad. I don't know if Mark 12, 26 really helps prove that, but that's what they point to. Right. does does that make some sense? Maybe? So hey, it's the the problem. Well the, I guess so. I guess what they're trying to do is like, hey, in translating this, the term can be specific or it can be broad, so you can't say that this is like specifically in the very single day that Abythor was high priest, this occurred. It's more like in that general time when Abiathar was going to be high priest or could be high priest or was going to become high priest, this occurred. All right. The next phrase of this is what bothers me. This, the next phrase is what bothers me, because listen to what they say. Um, the ambiguity that can result from using epi temporally is clear from the many ways mark 226 tends to be rendered in english translations. when we looked at the english translations did we see some major problem? almost all of them are in the days of or in the time of. i guess if you say in the time of why well, in the days of yeah t- so i don't know why they think that, is there ambiguity in the english translations? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not convinced that this one. Yeah, this one I don't know. They say other temporal uses of "appy" in the New Testament, which are specifically employed for uh, certain kinds of dating. look, for example, look at Luke three two. Look at Luke three two. What do we see in Luke three two? Okay, where is epi used there? Where is epi used there? i got to look this one up. Luke 3, 2. I don't know why they point to this one. I told you some of these. Being. Oh, being. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, that's Luke 3, 2, right? So being the high priest. Is that... Do you feel like that that's more vague? I don't... Yeah, I guess so. But we don't have any record of Ahimelech and Abiathar being high priest at the same time. Oh, right, right. But I, I, what they're trying to say is epi, well, they're almost arguing that the Greek word epi was in the original, but when you try to translate epi, do you translate it in a way that's saying this happened in this specific time or it happened somewhere around the time? Do you see the difference? Well, okay. And the, possibly. See, see, to me, do you see why I keep saying the problem is the word high priest? In the days of, but I guess if you're saying in the days of, if you just said in the days of Abiathar, it would be true. But the problem is these were not the days when he was the high priest. They're trying to say it can be used in such a way. These are the, in the, the days around the time Abiathar becomes high priest. Because maybe he became high priest relatively soon. I don't know. I, I don't know if that really fixes it. I don't know if it really fixes it, but okay I'm, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to go with the the idea um, well I don't think we have any record when, do we have any record of when abiathor becomes high priest I don't think. Is he made priests in that verse in two four? Let's look at it. Let's look at it. First Samuel twenty one. Then, then, then. But if it's a longer period of time, it becomes more problematic. Look at Second Samuel two four. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's any way for us to, to determine the time frame there. Is it is it Second Samuel two four where he becomes high priest? Because we had a dictionary claiming that he, he becomes high priest when David becomes king. Uh, it was in the Bible dictionary, but I don't think it. I don't think when we looked at it, oh, that's when David's anointed. Well, I, I think it's in the uh, Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Dictionary. Someone grab the Nelsons and look at the uh, entry for a and I think it says, it says when he becomes high priest, but I think when we looked up the passage, it didn't actually say what they claimed it said. I could be wrong. I'm just going from memory. I mean, this is hour number eight working on this subject. Man, we're going to run out of time. I thought we could finish this tonight. It's just, there's so much to repeat and put it all back together. You'll see, it'll, at some point it'll tell you that he becomes king or becomes high priest under when David becomes king. Samuel second Samuel 8. see that now you're getting much later <laughs> okay <laughs> that's a good I'm glad you brought this up it does challenge this argument a yeah of Now first of all we got all kinds of problems here because we got was this doesn't say he becomes high priest there. No. Okay. First Chronicles 18. I can't stand when the Bible dictionary is like, he becomes high priest when David becomes king. Here's the scripture that proves it. And then you go read the scripture and you're like, that doesn't prove anything. I got to, um, let me make sure I, let me see. I'll just go back here. Okay. So we don't have a scripture that says when he becomes high priest. Can we agree on that? Or does anybody have any disagreement on that? Can we agree we don't have... D- 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 okay, put it this way. At this moment, put it th- I would argue this. Here's what I would argue. If they're going to argue that epi is either very specific or general, you think they would then... What would be the next argu- logical step in their argument? Well, um, Abiathar becomes high priest within you know six weeks after this event. Well, you, but they don't have anything. So that means nobody knows. Now, if no one knows, then, then it, I, guess, I guess this would be the question. How broad of a time range can epi be used? I don't know if we have a dogmatic textual argument. I don't know if I like this. Does anyone like this solution? I'm not a, this to me makes the issue epi, and I think the issue is the word high, right? Or they make the issue in the days of, and I think the issue is high. The days of is such, I agree, it can be a very broad range of time, but we don't know how, we don't know how long it was before he becomes high priest. I think we could probably make some estimations. All right, well, we'll we'll move on past this one. Now, we're still in the problems of translation. So that's one possible solution with the problem of translation. Did you have something, Sarah? Okay, all right, I'll I'll, I'll wait and let you find it. You can tell me because I don't want to move on to this next section until we have, uh, we've exhausted all possibilities. Man, there's just no way to speed this up. You, you can see why churches don't deal with this problem. You can see why nobody wants to deal with this, because it's a Wednesday night and we're here, you know, spending an hour trying to figure these things out. But that's okay. No one's going to. Uh, nobody can ever accuse us of not covering every issue in a text. Okay, 1 Chronicles fifteen eleven. Right. And said unto them, you are chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both you and your brethren. Oh. And you may be up the ark of the Lord God of Israel into the place that I have prepared for you. That's 1 Chronicles what? 15, 11. 15 11, and 12. 11 and 12. And 12 seems to be the key verse. You're the, you're the chief of the fathers. So 1 Chronicles 15, 11 through 12 seems to give the idea when uh, Biathor becomes high priest. Now what we have to try to figure out is where does first chronicles fit in with that passage in first Samuel 21. Did you have something else? Nothing. Yeah, and David's clearly king at this time. This this was be some considerable time after, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well Okay. Right, yeah, exactly. But so in that first Chronicles reference, I mean David. David seems well established as king, and I think it, I think you, it's going to be somewhat a considerable amount of time. I, I, yeah, I don't think there's any. Put it this way: if it was close, they would have included the argument. Yes. Oh, well. Okay. A Well, I, I see. Now you're you're right. Now, hey, now that's a good point. That's a very good point. Because some, some other people made this comment Sunday morning or Sunday evening that in 1 Samuel 23, he has the ephod, and what, shouldn't, shouldn't that be the high priest? And this is right after, you know. But then, but, but the only problem, well, okay, in Chronicles, it doesn't necessarily, David doesn't necessarily, he's making them, he just declares them to be the chief. Okay, so you could argue, all right, maybe, maybe, maybe you could put this in close proximity. Maybe, all right, those are, okay, good thinking, good thinking, all right. Let's move on, at least get one more. Everybody ready? All right, we only got a couple of minutes, so at least hint at this one. One of the more creative versions of this idea involves issues that could have arisen in the translation of the original, what do you think I'm going to say? Aramaic. From form of the saying, this view was first raised and they named some individuals who argues that since the original historical dialogue would have been in Aramaic, the original Aramaic form would have been somewhat different and thus 2.26 uh, basically would not read in the same way. And when it came into the Greek and was copied, that's where the mistakes occurred. Now, the only problem with that is, um, okay, I'm going to read on here. The only problem with that is, I mean, really, it doesn't, it just says, that, so what they're, I guess what they're trying to argue, hey, the problem couldn't have been in the original Aramaic because it would have read differently. The only problem is we don't have the original, we don't have the Aramaic, or so I, I, this still makes it a copy in, a problem in translation. They're just trying to push it back, I guess, but it would still—I don't know. Yeah, I—I I, I, yeah, I'm not a big fan of this. But they, but they go on to say this. Um, they says that this view carries in itself a problem and a solution to that problem. They says because the phrase "great high priest" is an accurate description of what Abiathor was famous as, and does not carry the implication and and does not necessarily carry the implication clear in Mark's Greek that he was at the time of the incident. Casey notes as well as the combination of epi with the genitive is a sound translation of the Semitic idea of being with someone at a specific time. Thus, he can argue that the passage in all of Mark 2, 23 to 28, is intelligible only if we make assumptions which would have been normal in Mark's environment knowing that the evangelist was a first century Jew familiar with Jerusalem. It doesn't really help one way or the other. Their argument is, well, the original Aramaic didn't have it. When they translated it over to Greek, it became a problem. But then the argument is, well, which manuscript was Matthew and Luke referencing? The Aramaic or the Greek? Right? Right? So did Matthew and Luke have the, this is just, you know what all this is? What is all of this? How do we classify this? Speculation. Guessing. There's nothing tangible in any of this. There's there's nothing, we, 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 we can be tangible and know this. I don't think it really matters. See if you agree with this. It doesn't really matter if the original was Aramaic or the original was Greek. Because we know whatever original Matthew and Luke was referencing, we could argue that it wasn't in it. So the issue is the copy, wherever the copy was a Greek or copy coming from a Greek to Greek or from Aramaic to Greek, it wasn't in the original. And we obviously don't think it was in the original because that would destroy the doctrine of inspiration. So. Oh, well, very true. You could argue that they just did, they just left it out. You could argue they just left it out. I mean, good very, I mean, a lot all of this is a lot of speculation. All right. So, let's go through these, all right? Really quick. We'll stop right here. First possible solution, Jesus was wrong. We reject that. Second solution, Mark was wrong. We reject that. Third solution is that we can establish certain things pretty dogmatically. And what can we what can we Assert what can we prove dogmatically. Here are the, let's go through the things we can prove. We can prove that this did happen during the days of Abiathor because he was alive. We can prove that he was a priest. We do know, or at least maybe have some evidence, that he may have become high priest relatively soon. We may have some evidence that may point that he came to later, but he does become high priest. That's what we can assert. The next solution was what? What was the next solution we looked at? That, okay, let's go through these again. What was the first one? Jesus was wrong. Second one, Mark was wrong. Third, that we, that we believe that there are certain things you can prove dogmatically. Correct? Right? What was the fourth possible solution? That Christ was just using the highest title possible. All right. Next. Okay. A copy made an error, and it, to me, ultimately, it doesn't matter if it was Aramaic. It doesn't matter Greek. It doesn't. To me, that's irrelevant. Who cares? Someone made a. We we don't believe it was in the original, and that a a, a copyist made a mistake. All right, and we 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 think we can prove that. All right. Then the next one was well. Just, we won't even, we won't break it down any further than that because again, I don't care if it's Greek or Aramaic. I don't, to me that's irrelevant, right? Because if you argue it wasn't in the original uh, Aramaic, I can argue, I could make an argument that wasn't in the original Greek because Matthew and Luke used Mark as a source. And that's me making an assumption that they were looking at his Greek and not the Aramaic. But all of that's just speculation, all right? And so I don't, I don't, I don't want to get caught up in all of that. So for us, as we end tonight in hour number eight, does anyone agree with me that the focus on the phrase in the days of is misplaced? I believe the issue is high priest, not in the days of. If there's any issue, that ha- because in the days of, why is that a problem? It's true, other than saying that he was a high priest. And you could even argue, depending on in the days of how wide you spread that time frame, that it could possibly even encompass the idea that, well, sometime around Abiathar becoming high priest, David, in other words, it, it all how we say it, Correct. right? Like if I'm very specific, like in 1986 or 1987, my mother died, right? Or that's being very specific. Or somewhere in the 80s when his mother died, that would be true as well, right? Because she died in the 80s. So in other words, I think it can be in the days of could be used in such a Broadway, that's rain. I've never heard rain before, okay? Uh, and it's hard rain, okay? So that's good. But I, don't you, I think that in the days of, uh, maybe maybe, maybe the, the term epi actually is a possible solution. What do you think? That it, it could be a term so broad that you could encompass it? I don't know. But I just think if, if it didn't say hi, Just think, if you read Mark 2 and just leave out the one word, it fits perfectly. But I don't know why they're so preoccupied with in the days of, in the days of, in the days of, in the days of. of." Boom, there's not even a problem. So the issue is, if they made a mistake, the mistake was referring to him as high priest, which you could argue, that would mean, you could understand why someone may have made that mistake, right? Because what's Abiathar famous for? So, if you're going to argue that a, cop, that a mistake happened in the manuscripts, that's a reasonable mistake, yes? Oh, Abiathar, oh, the high priest. Yeah, in the days of Abiathar, the high priest. Oh, because epi is used here, so I'm going to translate that in the days of, oh, and maybe they just then mistakenly added the word high priest. Or just high, not, not um, priest would make sense. All right, I don't know if that fixes everything. I, I, that's the direction I'm kind of going. That epi may be broad enough to make it work. And if epi is not broad enough to make it work, all, the only mistake here is someone put the word high. <laughs> okay, that, okay, so there we go. All right, we'll stop. Lord, how we come before you this evening. Just, uh, th- this is difficult stuff. And I know, Lord, in some places, people would not want to study this. I thank you that I have the opportunity to study this here And pray that we just do the due diligence to try to figure out exactly what your word said and that we understand what it means. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said...